Welcome to Beyond the Sermon. I'm Pastor Dave Rudat. I'm joined here with Pastor Will Harley. How are you doing, Will? Good. Thank you for having me. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> no, it's exciting. It's exciting to be here. Exciting to go back over the, the, the scripture references. and the, Yeah. Any questions or thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. We have different texts today, so that'll be interesting. We do have different texts today. We um, we decided to diverge. Well, you decided to diverge from from what was. Well, we both did. Did you preach on Ascension? So Ascension wasn't technically on Sunday. I did. Yes, I did preach on Ascension, but then I tried to meld Ascension with a retirement um, oh. type sermon. So that was a little bit different than I think uh, a normal Ascension service. And then you had a confirmation, right? I had confirmation, so I had uh, the the new lectionary of, with our new hymnal. Had three different uh, readings, three different groups of readings for confirmation, and this was group number two. So I've never preached on this group before, so it was, it was fun trying that out. Very cool. Very cool. So let's get into it. Uh, Acts chapter one. Yeah, Acts chapter one. Um, I'll let you do the reading since you got it up there. I do. I wrote my first book, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began doing and teaching until the day he was taken up. After he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after he had suffered, he presented himself alive to the apostles with many convincing proofs. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and told them things about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he he commanded them, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father promised, which you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they were together with him, they asked, Lord, is this the time when you are going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he had said these things, he was taken up while they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he went away. Suddenly, two men in white clothes stood beside them. They said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come back to the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. And is that, that's as far as you went? Yes, 11. Yep. So a familiar text, it's, you know, at Sunday school lessons, and but applied in an unfamiliar way uh, with a retirement of a, a faithful cult worker. So t- walk us through that. So, um, of course, we, we were celebrating the Ascension, which is usually celebrated on the Thursday um, before, so 40 days after the resurrection, uh, 40 days after Shabbat. Um, in the celebration of that in the Jewish tradition. Uh, we would then celebrate the Ascension of our Lord, and most people don't like to come on a Thursday, and so we just celebrated on that on that Sunday. Uh, I had the opportunity to to also have a retirement party for one of our cult workers who had been in the ministry, full-time ministry, for 36 years. Um, and so she was, was retiring and, and trying to meld a retirement with Ascension 
kind of, you know, the beginning of ministry of most of these guys, you know, the promise of your ministry is beginning, you're going to be my witnesses. Um, and then you're saying, okay, well, I'm marking the end of, of a full-time ministry. Um, it almost seems like it didn't jive very well. Um, but what I kind of played off of um, and, and what I kind of built around was an idea of great expectations. And, and I really went and focused on um, the expectations that the apostles had um, for what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. How that, that expectation wasn't necessarily wrong, but it was misguided. It didn't have all the information, and it didn't have all of the facts, and it didn't have it, and, and it, it wasn't maybe thought out as well as they would have liked. And how uh, I kind of played off that, how we all have expectations, right? I, I started my sermon with there, there's joint things in humanity. These are the common things that we share. Um, we we share anger. We you know things that make us angry. We share um, things that make us joyful. We share um, common things together, like our our um, uh, uh, hatred of the new hymnal (laughs) (laughs) so so we share in these common things and i said one of the things we share with is is we have expectations um we all have them they may be different expectations for different occurrences but we all have expectations that is a a joint thing that humanity shares in um and i said how oftentimes those expectations are are clouded and they're affected simply because they're focusing on us. And then I, I kind of referred it to, you know, um, our called worker, you know, what expectations do you have in retirement? What are you thinking is going to happen? And then coming it back around that, you know, you're in good company that, that you have great expectations of what's next. Um, because the disciples, the, the apostles here had great expectations of what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I kind of, I, I took it backwards and I said, you know, and, 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 I can understand how they they would come to that. I mean, they were children of the Old Testament. They understood that when the Lord had um, sent the Holy Spirit to give gifts of of uh, leadership to equip, um, David was one of them, and he was brought in to be the king of Israel. I mean, this is one of the greatest kings. So, this so the idea of anointing, being baptized, being given um, um, abilities to now continue on had been a very old testament focus of establishing a kingdom and and how their question really isn't far far based or far-fetched from that so that was where i began Mm -hmm. well gospel Um, well the law of course was um how often we we try to force our expectations um how often we as sinful people um, make our expectations focused on us mm-hmm. instead of on on what the Lord has desired for us. And um, the gospel was um, centering on what can you truly expect, and that is no matter where you go, you will be a witness. No matter what happens, um, you will receive the Spirit. Um, and so <clears throat> I, my, my kind of encouragement to the one retiring was, no matter what happens after this, the spirit of the Lord is still with you. And, and, and the one who worked in you and brought you to faith and gave you the gifts to do this work to begin with has not left you um, and has rooted you in the Savior who died for you. And now you will be a witness no matter what you do going forward. You, you still are going to be a witness. 
Um, I don't know where that's going to be. I don't know how that's going to be. And it was the same thing to the to those listening that that when they leave this place being filled with the Spirit, when they leave this place, uh, once again anointed by the forgiveness of sins uh, that are that come through the means of grace um, in Christ Jesus, you leave, and the one thing, the great expectation that you can have, is that you will be a witness. No matter where God plants you, you will be a witness. Um, who knows what else is going to happen, but you will be that witness. So that was kind of my long gospel. Great. So what uh, what was in the text that you did not have time to talk about? Let's so, go beyond the sermon. Yeah. So um, I wanted to talk more, and I didn't. Um, I, I really would have loved to have talked more about the, the differences of the baptisms that are listed. Um, the fact that we have a baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and then we have a, a baptism of equipping. Um, that, that really it's an, an anointing of the Spirit to give his gifts to the church, to do the work of the church. Um, and, and really, I did not get a chance to drive home those, that, those two kind of points of tension that I think sometimes people say is like, well, that first baptism must not have been a baptism. And, this, and no, no, they're different purposes. Um, I didn't get to drive that home. Um, I really want, wish I would have focused and, and, and I had an opportunity to, but um, that idea of, of Luke 24, uh, which was the gospel reading, brought in, you know, um, this is the Father's promise, right? Um, that, that you will not be left alone. The Father's promise that you will receive. Um, and then how Jesus brings that promise back into their memory 40 days later, right? So uh, um, you, you have these, these, these things that play off of each other. Uh, of the promise of the Lord and what is what is promised. What what can you truly put your hat on and say this is for me? Um, and I think sometimes dealing with with God's promises is is a daunting task, but it is one that is is worthwhile because sometimes we we get so focused on ourselves and our wants and our desires and our and our own pursuits that we fail to see some things in life happen because God promised they would, and and so they will. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so that, there were there were the the two spots. I did not cover. Um, I very briefly, honestly, covered the uh, ascension in a sense of saying that same Lord who who gave <laughs> this expectation to us now ascended to rule all things for us and is continuing to hold these promises before your eyes. And that was that. That was about it. <laughs> <laughs> Did, <laughs> you mentioned the angels? No. I yes. Didn't. Really? Yeah. Um, and 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 there was another spot where I could have I could have come and said, you know, the angels are standing there bewildered that that the apostles are still staring into the sky waiting for something. Yeah. Um, yeah. All the actions down here, guys. <laughs> yeah. Just um, wait. I didn't cover that. Yeah. So there are some areas where I, I probably could have, but I've done that before. I mean, this isn't right. the first time I've preached this text. Um, there were other times where I've really focused on on uh, the amazement and the bewilderment of the angels. Why are you still standing here? You know, like this. Yeah. The, you had your you. God gave you a command. The Lord has now equipped you to do this. Why are you standing here? I I didn't this time, but I I think I had a specific focus because of the retirement that I really I wanted to stay textual but focus on a different part of the text. So, 
kind of come up with something. Um, it worked. I, 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 I'm not going to say that it was one of the easier placements, um, but it worked. Um, sometimes, you know, they'll say about sermon writing, they use a text for a pretext, you know, where, where okay, I'm going to use this text, but it's really the text I'm going to use to get to something else. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this was that um, because I did stay textual. It's just I stayed away from the, I, I dealt with the moment of ascension, but I didn't deal with the ascension itself. Um, yeah, the implications of what the, Jesus ascended. Yeah. Right. So, any other uh, questions from the group? Doesn't look like we're going to have any questions on the group. That might be a conversation that continues in the chat as we go along. So, uh, now would be the time for us to go and talk about the text I preached on, which is John chapter 6. That's the wrong screen. It's coming. There I am. So John chapter 60, it's John 6, verse 60. This is the three lessons for this say this day dealt with Joshua telling the Israelites, choose ye this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, and then the, the people respond, say, we're going to follow the Lord because he saved us. And then Peter, in the second lesson, has a rem- says, I'm going to remind you of things I already told you about and things you already know but i'm going to remind you anyway so just that whole concept of confirmation is strengthening of a faith that's already been given the the day of confirmation isn't just for our confirmants but also for all of us to remember uh, how god strengthens our faith through word and sacrament and then the gospel lesson which is a, a unique lesson i think i've never preached on this for confirmation which is john chapter 6 uh, beginning at verse 60 so this is right after uh, the bread of life dis- discourse where he, Jesus uh, says, you have to eat me and drink my blood, which um, isn't necessarily a specific reference or an explicit reference to the Lord's Supper, but it is an implicit reference. Like It's deeper than just talking about the Lord's Supper. It's talking about what it means to believe in Christ is to have him completely. And oh, by the way, he comes completely in the Lord's Supper in his body and blood. So, uh, verses 60 to 69 is the text. I'll read it. When they heard it, many of his disciples says, this is a hard teaching. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, asked them, does this cause you to stumble in your faith? What if you will see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh does not help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who would not believe and the ones who would betray him. He said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it was given to him by my Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus asked the twelve, You do not want to leave too, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So that was the text uh, I began with talking about the highs and lows of confirmation. It's the high that uh, my Wednesdays are now free because <laughs> I'm done teaching. And then it's uh, the lows because, oh, i I'm no longer teaching on Wednesday. Uh, we talk about the highs and lows of confirmation where on confirmation you are 
you're excited because these kids can now receive the Lord's Supper, but then you're also saddened because of all the people who had received the Lord's Supper or who had been confirmed in the past but no longer are receiving the Lord's Supper or the thought of a pastor, and I said this, how many of you are still going to be communing here in the future? So that was just a, I laid that right out there in the in the introduction. And then I said, um, this high and low concept is something that happens when we are engaged with the Word of God. High, that it comforts and assures us, but low, because it often offends us. And so I walked through, okay, how does Jesus' words offend us and why? What does it mean to be offended? How do we display that def- offense? And then um, uh, the words of hope that Jesus still has, even though he's speaking his words. So we talked about how uh, Jesus compared himself to the Old Testament because Jesus had just fed the 5,000. They were chasing after him to be their bread king. He says, well, I'm going to use this as a teachable moment, tell you about that I am the bread of life. All you need is me. You don't need food. You need me for salvation. And uh, that's where he talks about you got to eat my bread, eat my flesh, and drink my blood. You need me for salvation. And that was starting to offend them. And then he, Jesus says, well, what happens when, Jesus, when I ascend into heaven? Then, then how are you going to be offended? And so then I walked him through, well, what would be offensive about that? Because the disciples would be proclaiming that Jesus who lived, died, he had to suffer for your sins, your sins deserve death, and he, he had suffered that on the cross uh, and rose again and ascended. He did that for you. You need him alone to be saved. And he gives of himself in the Lord's Supper. So that was the, that's what the offense. And then I asked, well, how do you, how do people display how they're offended? Well, today we would, they be, would they can't uh, call the advertisers for Jesus and have them be canceled, those kinds of things. No, they displayed their offense by walking away. How do people show that same offense today is by walking away? Um, they, they no longer are listening to him. They're no longer receiving him. Um, and then I did make that deliberate connection to the Lord's Supper. They're not receiving the Lord's Supper because it offends them in some way that that they need only him for forgiveness or that they are a sinner in need of forgiveness. Those are things that are offensive today that God... They are receiving Christ himself. Yeah, here, right. Here he is for your salvation. He's your only, your only salvation, not the Jesus of the culture, but the Jesus of the Bible, which says you need me completely um, and only me, and here I'm going to give this to you. Um, so that's offensive, and sometimes we are also that way. So it's a very first commandment uh, and a third commandment. Remember the Sabbath day, gathering around God's word. That was where I was going. I had uh, probably a lot of family members who were not Lutheran that were there, so that was kind of a, I'm going to spend more time talking about what do they receive in the Lord's Supper, bread and wine, plus body and blood for them, for the forgiveness of sins. This is all Jesus saving us and keeping us in the true faith uh, with his means of grace. I also made sure to talk about it. it's also God's word. Uh, and then the, the gospel there was that Jesus still speaks, even though he knows. It, it talks about, he knew those who would not believe and he knew the person who would betray him even though he knows he still proclaims the the uh, reliance on the means of grace that jesus has and the hope that jesus has that the means of grace will avert the, what he knows because and that was kind of the the one you, you go jesus is almost wishing he were wrong that he knew that they would 
would not believe, wishing that, and that's the kind of confidence he has in the means of grace. Just because he knows something doesn't mean he will something. So I had that, like, two sentences I said that. So I don't even know how that landed. Yeah, but you could have celebrated the ascension with your text, too. Yeah, you could have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then, um, and then I think I, I end, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so, so wrapping all those, I mean, you seem to have a lot of concepts going around. Um, swirling around in that sermon. So how did how did you wrap all the ends together? I wrapped it all together with the um, Jesus is still for you. So the that whole the, the the hope that Jesus has is the hope that he has given to these confirmants that he says here here he is in, in his word the hope that this is still going to strengthen you in the true faith into life everlasting the forgiveness of sins that you have. Um, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, the offensive part was kind of where I I, I left that because I I thought Jesus still died for. I think I mentioned that. I'm pretty sure I did. Jesus still died for the times when we weren't weren't uh, uh, receiving His word or receiving His gifts. And now hope He's got hope for the future that this is what He gives of Himself in His word and in the Lord's Supper. It's still there for you. Um, yeah, yeah. And so the question. Didn't say to them, "I sure hope Jesus offends you." <laughs> no, well, that that was a, that would be a good a good part for the law. Like, I, I hope I, I hope Jesus offended you today. Uh, I did end with, "What what are you going to do when Jesus does offend you?" And I did say, "He's going to offend all of us because we're all going to need to be told something we don't want to hear." And I I did talk about that too, about why we get offended because we're being our little worldview is shattered that we're not you know these precious people um and uh what are you going to do are you going to walk away i think i did mention i guess i did wrap that up in the conclusion are you going to walk away are you going to continue to say oh the words of peter i didn't even mention that yet so that was in the sermon too where what i loved about peter was that he didn't say yeah lord we understand it you know we get it man lord we're so smart uh those people they just didn't get it we understand I think the the words of Peter where he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? It still, to me, reflects a person that says, a, a person that is submitting themselves under the authority of Christ, who says, I don't get it. I don't understand what you're saying, but I know there's no other place to find life and, and, and the Holy Spirit, only through you, only through the word. So, I don't get it, but I want to. Sorry? I don't, it's sort of the idea of, I don't get it, but I want to. Yeah, I don't get it, but I want to, or I don't get it, but I, I'm not going to go anywhere else. There's no other source of life. There's no other source of truth. Well, isn't that a, isn't that a complete and utter awesome statement against reason? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have to reason everything out before I can, I can follow along, and if, and if the scriptures aren't reasonable, then they must be thrown out. Peter is the exact opposite. It might not be reasonable to me, but that, that just means I don't know enough. And that just means that that I haven't grown enough. And where else am I going to go than here? Yeah. Um, so if you are um, looking back at it, rereading it, going through it, um, I think you, you pretty much spelled out your specific law. You, you hit your gospel. Um, what do you wish you would have done better? Um, what would I wish to have done better? A lot, <laughs> I guess. You know, I I get. I get done. I uh, I've someone had said that to me, like you pray the Lord's prayer before you get into the pulpit, but you don't pray it afterwards. Like you are, 
you, you pray for God's help and guidance as you get in there. And uh, in a certain sense, you have to say, God, my God, my Savior, my Jesus is going to teach these people through the Holy Spirit and through my words today. And as I, you get done, you go, there's so much more I could have said. There's so much more to this text but a reliance on the word, on, on Christ there in that, in that worship service, feeding God's people. So uh, I can't, I think a lot of what I would have liked to have said would have been more about the offense. Like I really would have, uh, I don't think that part landed as well as I had wished, that you guys are all, you guys are all getting offended. Or like you said, um, I, I hope you guys get offended today. Like something like, something provocative like that at the beginning because it was really hard to talk about people being offended and not think it's about people who aren't there that particular Sunday where everyone says, oh yeah, everybody out there in the community, they're all offended about Jesus, but not me. You know, I'm not offended about Jesus. You know, um, uh, that's their problem. That's not my problem. And it was a challenge to make this a, a text that hits homes to people who are in church regularly or in, in the case of family members who are have some sort of exposure to Jesus, like this is something where at least they know this is important, um, but perhaps the, the church that they're going to or their beliefs uh, isn't as strong or as confessional or as scriptural as as those who are gathered there. How can I, how can I bring it home that we are all going to get offended? It's not like a us versus them. It's not like the the disciples weren't offended. I think they they truly were puzzled and like I don't know if we can take this this word you got eat Jesus drink his blood um the they didn't quite get that metaphor because uh of the whole implications of what it means to be a believer in Christ and be in Christ wasn't made solid in their in their mind they were, they weren't strengthened in that yeah, well, I mean, and when you, I mean, that that metaphor wasn't necessarily part of the text, right? It wasn't really part of the reading. It was, it was more the, the response. Yeah, but you can't, you can't, you can't talk about it without getting yeah. into that context. Well, and like you said, you know, it's that that John chapter six is not an explicit um, reference to communion, but it is definitely a reference to the need to have Christ and the need to, to uh, be given Christ in a physical way. Right. Um, and, and so I think, you know, just as a, as a brother from one brother to the other brother in ministry, you know, recognize your, everyone has that struggle. How do I, how do I present Christ in a physical way to the people um, that I serve and the people that are coming to visit who have no bearing in, in this whatsoever uh, from what you've said and I have to go back and, and and I will try to go back and listen to your sermon I think you did a very good job um, so so don't take anything away from what you've done yeah um, the, like the I said through you I did I did appreciate it. I was talking with my brother-in-law afterwards and he said uh, it is such a struggle for people to receive criticism these days and so that would have been another area where I could have really fleshed it out because he was thinking about that he was thinking of Peter and Peter willing to submit himself under Christ and, and to say, uh, we don't get it, but you have the words of life, so we're just going to hold on to that. Instead of saying, like, uh, instead of saying, well, I can't figure it out, and until I figure it out, I'm not going to listen to you. 
Yeah, and that's that's very true. We we don't like criticism today. Um, that would have been another really good uh, law area. But I I think your law area was was really pointed for the confirmands. Yeah, uh, which is you, you know you're going to get into positions in school and in areas in your life where they're going to look at what you believe and they're going to ridicule you and are you going to be offended by it and then drop Christ so that you placate everyone else. So. I think that's good. So um, lo- your specific law was was the offense and, and taking offense uh, and, and being offended. Uh, gospel is is Christ who is always there, even though you are offended at him. Um, you're, you wish you would have maybe hit home a little bit better, his physical presence and, and, and making that connection to the body and blood of Christ and, and things. Uh, anything else that you, you kind of look back and say, I could have I could have approached this text in, in this way or said something about this text. I did like um, that I was going to use I used it was it, uh, uh, this is your listeners for beyond the sermon. So there was something that was meant for my introduction that I actually moved to my conclusion that morning. So the, what was in the introduction was um, the talking to the girls because I had six girls and we were talking about the roles of men and women and public ministry in the in the church and and I. And I said, I'm going to tell you a story, but I'm going to embarrass myself, so don't worry. I'm not embarrassing you. I'm embarrassing myself. Where I said, oftentimes, and I would outline because I know people who are there aren't members of our congregation. I'd say, here's the concept. Here's the question. We hear the Bible passages. We walk through the Bible passages. And then it is up to the kids to come up with the answer. But oftentimes, when we're explaining it or when I'm explaining something, I go too long, and you know the kids sheepishly raise their hand, and they say, what do we put for the answer? And so when I had the, the six girls uh, this year, oftentimes when we're talking about roles of men and women or the public ministry of men-only pastors, I really hit home on the guys. And so I say, guys, this is your calling to watch over th- all of those in your congregation. So you're called to, to listen to them. You're called, um, you're put in a position of responsibility over them. It's kind of like the armed services of, you go into the armed services, you're out there protecting people you don't even know, protecting people that don't, you know, that may, may, or, may or not agree with you, but you are looking out for their welfare. You are in a, a position of service. So don't look at it in terms of patriarchy or, or power, but look at it in terms of service. So I would often do that. And then I, I, I admitted, I said, sometimes I don't even have the energy to talk the other side because you just talk that side and the other side will fall in line. I guess that's my opinion. But this year I had six girls. And so here I was feeling very apologetic, not apologetic in terms of a defense, but a, like this is a really tough teaching that I'm about to lay on you. Sure. And so then I... Um, the question was why don't women, why aren't women to be pastors? That was a question in the Bible passages, and of course, I was very much like a this is a very countercultural. This is not patriarchy. This isn't power. This is you know service. This is a difficult teaching. It's tough, and and all of that and so on. And of course, the sheepish hand came up and said, "Pastor, what do we write?" And I said, "What do you think we should write to the question? Why can't women be pastors in the congregation?" And the girl said, because God says so. What a humbling experience. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> then that was supposed to be my introduction, but I left it as, I put it in at the inter, at the conclusion after we got through that whole, walked everyone through, what is it like to be engaged with the, the Christ of the scriptures who tells things you don't want to hear, but they are the words of spirit and they are the words of life. 
how are we going to respond? And that's how I concluded it. So that part I really liked about how that ended up, uh, that it came to the end, and that really hit home and emphasized uh, this text. Wow, and and what a great connection to to when when the Lord says, "Then I'm forgiven." Why am I forgiven? Because God said so. Yeah. You know, why do I have these? Because God said so. Yeah. Why is this? Why is this His body and blood together with the bread and wine? He says so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be so much the law. Well, I have to do this because God said so. It could be, like like you said, the the, the beautiful gospel message. You know, it's mine. Why? Because God said so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So it sounds like you had a, a great opportunity to preach law and gospel to your kids. Um, I think that is very very good. Uh, both of us taking our texts in a little bit different ways, probably because we forced a a certain uh, event into the text right so you did confirmation into your text and i did uh retirement into mine so i I think when we force sometimes those events into the text it limits the grand scope of of the holiday or the the celebration of what was supposed to be going on that day within the the church year um but i think you did a very good job and thank you for walking me through it yeah thank you for walking through your text yeah, we didn't have any questions this week, but uh, if you have any questions, feel free to uh, te- put something in the comments here, or you can email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com. Join us on Thursday as we go through the book of Esther, and join us here next week on Tuesday as we go beyond the sermon.